Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. Today is another AMA episode. That is, Ask Me Anything. I love to answer your questions, and if you have a question you think is going to be of broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to Victor at VictorJM.com. That's Victor at VictorJM.com. Today, Ryan from Arlington, Texas asks, Hi, Victor. You always seem to be ahead of the curve, and you do a wonderful job informing your listeners about the trends you see in real estate and current events. Where do you get your news? What are some of your bookmarked websites or other mediums that you refer to most often? Love the show. Thanks for all the great content. Well, Ryan, thank you for the kind words, and this is a great question. I produce several different types of segments on the Real Estate Espresso podcast. Number one, evergreen content. Number two, trending items, whether they're in real estate or the economy. Number three, journaling. These are stories from my own direct observation in my own projects. Number four, interviews. Number five, book of the month. And number six, AMA episodes, just like we're doing today. Your question relates most strongly to those topics that are trending in the industry. These shows require the most research. They are those that somehow tie into something that's happening in the broader economy. For that, I've got numerous sources. I tend to stay away from the headline sources like the New York Times and the Washington Post. I almost never look at USA Today or CNN or Fox News. When it comes to commercial real estate, the Wall Street Journal does a dreadful job. So I rarely look at the Wall Street Journal for real estate, but they are a good source of economic and geopolitical information. I do have many go-to sources. They include the World Economic Forum, Business Insider, and the newsletters of various economists. I go to the research departments of the major brokerage houses like Collier's, CBRE, JLL, and Marcus Millichap. I use the economic research from the big four accounting firms, and I use the research departments from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the Canada Mortgage Housing Corporation, and many others. There are people that I like to follow regularly, many of whom I know personally. I'm thinking of folks like Peter Schiff, Simon Black, Dr. Doug Duncan, the chief economist from Fannie Mae, John Malden. He has relationships with many central bankers directly, Ray Dalio from Bridgewater Associates, Harry Dent, and I make it a point to get invited to some of the most exclusive webinars where I can find out information from industry insiders directly. While I may not quote a source directly, the information I receive from them gives me a thread to follow. So, for example, if the story is, say, on demographics and the story references an updated data set in the census, I will go find that census data, download it onto my computer, bring it into Excel, and calculate a new slice of the data that would be relevant to our listeners. I might get an idea for a segment from the Wall Street Journal, but if there's a superficial story in the Wall Street Journal that's referencing a report, say, from Fannie Mae, I'm going to go to the original report, which will have much more information, and I'll create my own summary of the analysis. Now, in your question, you talked about my reporting being ahead of the curve. It's true that I've made numerous predictions this year that have appeared in the podcast days or weeks before they've appeared in the news. And whenever that happens, it's the result of some analysis. I rarely just report the news without adding any value. Thought leadership involves using my own intellect to add value, and that's an exercise in connecting the dots. For example, on January 29th, I predicted we we're going to experience a deep recession as a result of COVID-19. The end of January, this was hardly headline news anywhere. Connecting the dots, frankly, was easy. If you go back to the impact of travel reductions in 2003 due to SARS, the GDP in the U.S. fell 1.5% solely from the impact of travel and hospitality. 
The scope of travel reductions and supply chain disruptions by the end of January were already looking to be larger in impact than 2003, so predicting recession was as plain as day. Predicting food shortages was also easy. If flights are canceled and the cargo bays aren't available for short shelf life fruits and vegetables, supply chains will be disrupted. If there are restrictions on the movement of people between countries, then migrant labor that's the backbone of high-volume farming is going to be disrupted. Predicting a food disruption is just connecting the dots. Anyone who's paying attention could easily see that. Now, on today's show, I'm going to go out on a limb and make one more prediction while I'm at it. I'm going to predict that once social distancing requirements are eased, people who have been stuck at home for nearly two months will be looking for a getaway. But it won't be a charter flight to an all-inclusive resort. It's going to be a while before people have the confidence to jump on crowded flights. The vacation of choice will be a cabin on a lake, a chalet in the mountains, far from the crowd, or perhaps an RV vacation. If you have a short-term rental in a vacation zone within driving distance of a major population center, you're well positioned to fulfill the demand that will return with a vengeance. I want to thank you, Ryan, for a great question. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.